podcast of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Just a few short weeks ago, we heard together the passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on Good Friday. And one of my favorite lines from the passion narrative is the question that Pilate asks Jesus about halfway through the trial. He looks at him and says, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? What has Jesus done? is one of the most important questions we can ask right next to, who do you say that I am? And we recite in the creed, just as we did a few moments ago, some of what Jesus has done. Born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again from the dead. The creed even talks about what he has done for us for us men, and for our salvation, he has done these things. But the question that we're going to think about a little bit today is, how? How has he done these things? And for what purpose? What's the mechanism? What is the connection between all these things, Jesus being born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died, buried, and rose again, and salvation, and specifically your salvation and mine. How has the things Jesus has done meant something for you and for me? In the prologue to his gospel, the same John that writes 1 John, we're pretty sure, and talks about us being children of God, writes in very high-minded terms about Jesus' work. Not just the work of being born of the Virgin Mary and being crucified and buried and risen again, but work that began at the very, very beginning, before there was even time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. What was made in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So high, so flowery those words that when we looked at the four creatures of Ezekiel and lined them up with the four Gospels, John got the eagle, the one that flies over top of everything in this high-minded words. We hear a little bit of that reflected in the Nicene Creed near the beginning of the second article when we say that Jesus is of one substance with the Father and by whom, Jesus, all things were made. You'll notice that in the Creed, creation isn't just one person's work, but the Father begins it, it's done through Jesus, and it is the Spirit who is the giver of life. Well, that's great in general, just like the creed is great in general. But then John narrows things down a little bit just a few verses later in that prologue. He writes this. But to all who received Jesus, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's verse 12 and 13 of John's gospel. Right there, at the very, very beginning, as he is painting this picture for us of why God would send his word into the world to be incarnate, he said the point The purpose, the reason, the goal is that you and I might become God's children. That's what all this is about. The Son makes you and I sons and daughters of God. Or as Jesus says to Mary in the garden at his resurrection, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers... That's a family word, right? Brothers. And say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. To my God and your God. From now on, Jesus says, you are no longer simply disciples or apostles. You are my brothers. And if you are my brothers, then God is your dad. Your Abba. Your papa. And now, Jesus says, you can really, truly, with all your heart and soul and mind, pray the prayer that I taught you to pray, our Father who is in heaven. Not to whom it may concern, not some deity that may or may not care about what's happening with you today, not some God who is Bette Midler's song is watching from a distance, but your dad your heavenly Father. So Jesus has made us children of God. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be children of the one who brought all things into existence, including all of space and all of time? Well, like it or not, people learn about parents through their children. That makes all parents everywhere very nervous. Some parents take it a little bit too far, worried that their children might bring dishonor on them by what they do. As the old proverb goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Deb will probably remember years ago in Houston being out at a restaurant with our precocious kids And people, especially a waitress, looking at Olivia, who at the time, if you can imagine this, had tight, short, blonde, curly hair. Just the most beautiful, beautiful curly hair. And the waitress looked at her and then looked at me and looked at Deb and then looked back at Olivia and said, so where did she get her curls from? Without missing a beat, Deb looked at her, said, probably from her mom. She had to compute that for a little while. Because that's what we do, right? We look at kids, Lindsay, say, do I see mom in you? People look at Sophia and Olivia, do we see mom and dad? People look at me and my sister Lara and say, do we see Denis and Betty in them? That's what we do. Now, if we are children of our Heavenly Father, that means 
The reason why children represent their parents, people looking to the son to see the father and the daughter and see the mother, is because they assume that we have inculcated, passed on to them, what we think it means to be good people, right? Whatever you think as moms and dads, it means to live in this world. You pass on to your children. You form them. You nurture them. You want them to be at good schools. You take them to worship. You get them involved in youth groups and Bible studies, and you want them to hang out with the right kids so that they might have your values. There's a poem about this that some of you might know from Dorothy New Nolte called Children Learn What They Live. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, she learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, she learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, she learns justice. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns to find love in the world. Now, going back to our very first question, what did Jesus come to do for you and for me? How does his being born of the Virgin Mary and suffering under Pontius Pilate and crucified and buried and risen again impact you and I? And we said that the answer was that it makes us God's children. Well, just like there are two parts of being a parent, there are two parts to us being God's children. The first part of being a parent is that you have a child. And that's sort of an instantaneous thing, right? One moment, you are not a dad, and the next moment, bang, you are. Either because a doctor has walked out and said, congratulations, you now have a daughter, you now have a son, or because a judge now says, congratulations, you now have a son, you now have a daughter. It's not one of those things that gradually happens. It just, it's there. But the second part of being a parent and having a child is raising that child, right? Now that you have a daughter, now that you have a son, you want to, as we talked about before, pass on those values to them. You want to raise them. You want to teach them what it means that you are their mom or that you are their dad. And you can do that poorly, as the poem we just read says, or you can also do it well. In the same way, being Christian, becoming God's children has two parts. The first part, in baptism, in the hearing of God's word, in the calling of the spirit to faith happens like that. You either are a Christian or you're not a Christian. There is that moment where God says, you are my child. We often identify that with baptism. It's precisely why baptism is given as a gift, so that we, who are always tempted to wonder whether God cares or not, can always go back and say, I am baptized. God called me by name. He washed me, and he made me his child. I am his, and he is mine. That's the first part. It's either on or off. But the second part is really what today's 
reading from 1 John is about. It's the raising of children, the nurturing of them. Now that God is your father, he takes on a parenting role. And your elder brother Jesus leads the way because he's now your brother. And as elder brothers are apt to do, he also has a role to play as an example, as one we can look at and say, how would my brother act in this situation? What would my brother do? What does my brother think about these things? And then we want to act accordingly. We are God's children now, is what John writes. That's that first call. That's baptism. That is the you are now mine part. And what we will be has not yet appeared. That's the ongoing part, right? That's the now that I am your father, now that you are my children, now that I have given you these gifts, I'm going to raise you, I'm going to nurture you, I'm going to discipline you. And over the course of your life, you're going to learn what it means to be called my daughter, my son. In every parable that Jesus tells, every encounter that he has with a family, a paralyzed man, someone who can't see, a beggar by the gates, every act that Jesus does, Jesus is teaching us. He is the elder brother who is showing us what it means to be a child of the Heavenly Father. In fact, Jesus tells his brothers, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Because unlike us, Jesus is a perfect image of his Father. The perfect representation. He who has seen Jesus has seen God. And that's how Peter and John, in our first reading for this morning, knew what to do when they saw that paralyzed beggar at the gates. They were being raised in this relationship, and they knew what their father would do, and they knew what their elder brother would do, and so they simply did the same thing. They could have ignored him, which is always our temptation when you see someone. They could have berated him. You know, really, you should just go and get a job. Can't you do something, make something out of your life? Like, what's your problem? What are you going to do for us? They could have preached at him. Well, if only you had enough faith, you would be healed. But instead, they show him mercy. They realize that all those other things are what the father of this world, whose children we were before Jesus, that's what he would do. It's what Satan is doing all the time, right? When he lies, he speaks his native language, misinformation, lying telling people things about themselves and about others that simply aren't true. That is Satan's stock and trade. And hatred is also Satan's stock and trade. He can get you to hate somebody else. Think of them as less than valuable, as someone who could never be God's child the way you are, then Satan has succeeded, and then he truly is your father. But when our Heavenly Father is our father, as happened to Peter and John, they knew exactly what to do. They showed him mercy. 
and pointed him out of the problems of this life to the eternity that God has in store, the way God wants things to be, not the way they are right now. I have no silver or gold, Peter says. And if I gave you silver or gold, it wouldn't help you all that much, would it? You would eat for a day, and tomorrow you would still have to sit here at the gates and beg and plead for people. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up. We call that showing mercy in our mission region. And when we talk about the work that we do, whether it's in Puerto Rico or Jamaica or the Cayman Islands or the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Chile or Brazil or Argentina or Peru or Paraguay or Bolivia or all these different places in which your missionaries are working right now and that I talk about every Thursday in our regional team meeting, we talk not simply about how do we witness to Christ and those cold events that we talk about, those factums in the creed that he was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died and rose again. But we also talk about showing mercy. How do we do what Peter and John did? Because that is also what God's children do. That we look at people in their condition and say, such am I as well. But my father loves me, and I want you to know his love, that you too might call upon God as your father and might know yourself as his dear child. When I have conversations with non-Christians or people that are, we sometimes call them de-church, that have left the church for a long time, we get the same themes that come up in the conversation. It's rare that we get something thrown at us that's like, wow, I've never heard that one before. We talk about why Jesus Why Jesus only? What about heaven? What about hell? Why doesn't God just fix everything? And then the big one, if this life is intended to be recreated and better at some later day, then what is all of the suffering about now? Why doesn't God just wrap things up and call it a day? In some ways, this life is boot camp. You know about boot camp from military movies. It's training. It's discipline. It's what Luther wrote in the small catechism. What does such baptizing with water indicate? That the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die, and a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity. But from a different perspective, this life is also childhood. We're not yet adults. We're still kids. And what do kids always say? Do you remember when you were a kid? When I'm grown up, when I get older, things are going to be different. They're going to be different for me personally. They're going to be different in the world. I've got a plan. I know how things ought to be. And when I finally finish with high school and then finish with SEJEP and then finish with university, I'm not going to be like my parents. And the reason why they're able to think that way is because childhood is preparing them to be adults. We do want them to think ahead. What am I going to do when I'm 20 or 30 or 40? You and I are God's children. 
And in some ways, this life right now is our childhood. Childhood has its hardships. Sometimes it feels like nobody listens to you. Sometimes it feels like you're constantly having to listen to everybody else's commands and orders. But childhood also has its joys. There's a lot of stuff you don't have to worry about as a kid. That when you become an adult, you think, wow, I had it so much easier when I was eight. I didn't have to do all my income tax forms. I didn't have to make sure that everything got submitted properly to the provincial government and the federal government and the right checks got written. I didn't have to worry about remembering to pay my municipal taxes or whether this is recycling week or garbage week or compost week. I didn't have to worry. But what happens if I get sick? Do I have a doctor? Did I remember to bring my RAMQ card? Is my auto insurance paid up? Childhood can be pretty good in many ways. The good news, because we are, after all, the good news place, is the new creation is not going to be adulthood as we know it in this life. Taxes and medical bills and bosses and all of that stuff we don't like. In some ways, it will be a second, even better childhood. Like being an adult child. Being able to say, now I can really enjoy it because now I know what I missed out on the first time. All of which is to say, this is what it means when John writes, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Our elder brother, and the one who has taught us what it means to be children of the Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.